Several United States House of Representatives have called Israel an apartheid state and the occupation. Well, these false claims dovetail with the decades-old temple denialism, denying Israel's right to the promised land at all. Well, we will analyze the scriptural response to this false narrative on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Several United States House of Representatives, uh, I could name most of them and so could you, uh, part of the squad, have called Israel an apartheid state and the occupation implying that Israel is occupying land that is not theirs. Well, of course, that's simply not true. You and I both know that, but if you listen to the liberal news media long enough, you kind of, you might think, well, you know, I don't know. Well, these claims really parallel with the temple denialism, denying any and all Jewish connections to Jerusalem, which is really what all of this boils down to. Who controls Jerusalem and most importantly, the temple mount. If they can deny Jewish Uh, any kind of Jewish history to that area, their argument falls apart for even being there, right? So I wanted to kind of clear this up today using the Bible. Even with an overwhelming amount of archaeological, historical, and biblical evidence, really proving otherwise, more and more people deny the first and second temple, Jewish temples, that they ever stood on the Temple Mount. Probably the most recognizable temple denial was the ninth day of 2000 um, at the Camp David summit when Yasser Arafat, then the Palestinian National Authority president, uh, declared that there never was a temple on the Temple Mount, stating to Bill Clinton that Solomon's temple was not in Jerusalem but in Nablus. And it is the official position of the Islamic Waqf the body that governs over the Temple Mount currently, that there never was a Temple Mount, a Jewish temple on the Holy Temp- on the Temple Mount, and that they have no rights whatsoever to the Temple Mount, that Jews do not. Well, in 2016, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organizations, I should say UNESCO, the, the World Heritage Committee, they adopted a controversial resolution that was titled The Old City of Jerusalem and Its Walls. The resolution ignores the biblical location of the first two Jewish temples by referring to the Temple Mount as the main Jewish link, which we know is the main Jewish link to Jerusalem. They referred to it solely by its Muslim names, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, Al-Haram, Al-Sharif defining it only as a Muslim holy site of worship. Now, it is these types of repudiation 
that lend credibility to the United Nations Security Council Resolution 2334 signed on December 23rd, 2016. And it states that reaffirm that it reaffirms this resolution reaffirms that the establishment by Israel of settlements in the Palestinian territory occupied since 1967, including East Jerusalem, which is where the Temple Mount's located, has no legal validity and constitutes a flagrant violation under international law and a major obstacle to the achievement of a two-state solution and a just, lasting, and comprehensive peace. Now, Joe Biden agrees with this. He was actually uh, involved in getting this thing passed. And many of, there are actually people, many in the U.S. uh, House of Representatives that is on board with this as well. Again, I refer to them as the squad. You would know who I'm talking about. And then in this resolution, item number one, it clearly states that Israel's presence in East Jerusalem is illegal and is a flagrant violation of international law, which could very well be enforceable legislation used to launch the eventual Battle of Armageddon. Others believe that Solomon's temple was built in the city of David. Now, there are people that consider themselves Christian that have pushed this false narrative that the temple, Solomon's temple, was actually built in the city of David, perhaps over the Gion Spring, south of the Temple Mount, contending that the 35-acre fortress-like structure, which I know is the Temple Mount, that it was actually the Roman Fort Antonia occupied by the mighty 10th Legion. The problem with all of this is that there is not one word of truth to any of these claims. For almost 3,000 years, the Temple Mount has been the center of Jewish life. To deny the first and second temples stood there is political propaganda. That's it. And it aligns with the international community outlawing Israel's right to East Jerusalem or at the very least an undeniable misrepresentation, misinterpretation of Scripture. And... Many people in the United States House are on board with this. And I shouldn't say, I should say several, not many. But there are people in our government that actually believe this. That that Israel is illegally occupying that territory. They need a good Bible study, don't they? But either way, both positions are diametrically opposed to the supreme authority on the location of the original Jewish temples, and that's the Bible. And that's hence the reason for this program today. Uh, and I wanted to go through this. This is very, very important that you don't understand because there's so much many false narratives out there. I'm reading a lot about this in the news right now. A lot of people are sending me articles and scriptures and all kinds of stuff saying, Dave, you've got to do a program on this because... There are, there, the liberal news media is pushing people's mind, their mindset away from this, and it's simply not the truth. Well, I said, you know what? You're right. On our, um, on an Israeli guide, our Israeli guide we've been using for years now, his name's Edo Keenan. He's an ex-naval special force operative in the Israeli Defense Forces. 
He's a, the equivalent to a Navy SEAL, or he was. And he's an archaeologist. And he's also a marine archaeologist. He does dives and things like that. Well, he can trace his Jewish roots in Israel back seven generations. And he's been one of the most sought-after Israeli guides for decades now. When ambassadors come into the country, he will take them on tours. So very, very sought-after guide. And we use him. He's been our guide for years in Israel. Well, I'll tell you what he told me about this um, topic when we get back. And I'll go off into a lot of scripture that proves the temples absolutely did stand up on the Temple Mount. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one. Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith. In the hearts of Christians around the world, we will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. Just a quick announcement before we get back into the biblical locations of the Temple Mount. This coming Saturday and Sunday morning, uh, I'm going to be down in Houston at the Christ Church. 12815 Fuqua Street, F-U-Q-U-A Street, Houston, Texas. Uh, We're going to be there with Pastor John McDaniel. That's Saturday evening, May 22nd, 6 to 8 p.m. I'll be teaching uh, prophecy, uh, the the huge timeline that we come up, the future according to Bible prophecy. And then Sunday morning, uh, I think he's asked me just to preach. And we're going to be preaching on, uh, it's, it's Pentecost Sunday. So looking forward to a great uh, time Sunday morning. That will be at the same church, May 23rd, 11 to 1, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And look forward to seeing you out there. I'll be teaching on uh, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you'd like to experience that, 
Come out and join me Sunday morning. Uh, it's going to be Pentecost Sunday. We'll have a wonderful spirit-filled service. It's going to be awesome. I've been in Pentecost Sundays for decades now, and what a wonderful service that is. So Saturday night prophecy, Sunday morning preaching, spirit-filled service, wonderful music. It's an awesome church. You guys will really enjoy it. So look forward to seeing you down in Houston this coming Saturday and Sunday. Now, our Israeli guide, Edo Keenan. He's a very sought-after guide in Israel, one of the most. Well, as such, he has lectured on Israeli history and archaeology in universities around the world. I talked to him one time about this subject, and he told me for years, he said, Dave, there is no respected professional archaeologist, teacher, or scholar that does not believe the first and second temples were built on the Temple Mount. Now, I know you've seen videos on YouTube and read some books that people have put out about, hey, it was possibly the temples actually were built in the the city of David and things like that. But that simply is not the case for any respected teacher, uh, archaeologist, um, or anybody else that studies this kind of stuff. And I believe him for many reasons. But let's just discuss why. Why would I believe him? Well, let's talk about archaeology. This is Edo's, one of his main professions. He's been involved in many archaeological digs in Israel, found some awesome things, uh, amazing finds. But he helped me to do something very special. Very few people have done up until the point where I did. On one of our most recent trips to Israel, I was privileged to take a tour. And Edo set this up for me because he knows the director of all of this. I was privileged to take a private tour of the pilgrimage road. And it's the 2,000-year-old road which goes from the Pool of Siloam up to the Temple Mount. And it emerges near Robinson's Arch. And if we're hoping to go to Israel in October, may not get to. I don't know at this point. We're hoping to. Depends on what happens a lot with this and the COVID situation and everything. But... If you've ever been with us to Israel and, or will in the future, I'll be explaining this and hopefully we'll, we'll get to go through this big uh, corridor. But archaeologists are convinced that this is the path that millions of Jews took three times a year when performing the commandment of Aliyah Iligriel, which is going up to the city of Jerusalem to bring sacrifices um, during uh, Judaism's three key holidays, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. But notice I did not say that I went in from the Pool of Siloam into the city of David to where the temple stood. And I know I walked the entire road all the way up to the just south of the Temple Mount. It bypasses the city of David and goes straight up to the Temple Mount. This is very important, everybody. And this is where the temple stood. And um, so it's... A, it's, it's um, if you understand that if the original road would have went into the temple, the city of David, we'd have a whole nother conversation or at least a more interesting, maybe perhaps a, a more, um, what should I say, a, a more controversial one. But it doesn't. It goes right up to the Temple Mount. And I could also provide extensive archaeological proof of the Jewish temples and the Temple Mount. I could analyze for you the Temple Mount Sifting Project, uh, the Southern Steps, the Ritual Baths, 
the, the trumpeting stone at the base of the Temple Mount, the, the warning stones, large stones which have been uh, knocked down from the western retaining wall of the Temple Mount, which um, destroyed the streets below when the Romans toppled them the second, uh, during the Second Temple in, uh, when it was destroyed in 70 A.D., and then also the gigantic foundation stones of Herod's platform uh, that you can see even from the outside, but the really big ones are in the, um, the tunnels underneath. So the list goes on and on. Archaeology, the archaeological evidence is certainly there, but that's not the purpose of my program today. You say, well, what about history then? Well, history tells the story of the first temple was built by Solomon on the Temple Mount in 968 B.C., standing there until it was destroyed by Babylon in 586 B.C. And it also records the construction of the second temple that stood on the Temple Mount from 516 B.C. until the Romans destroyed it in 70 A.D. So, there, uh, again, like Edo said, there, there's no respectable... Uh, teacher or archaeologist and th- people that really know and have done the research and know what they're talking about, there's no respectable one that, 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 that doubts that the first two Jewish temples stood on the Temple Mount. And even modern day encyclopedias agree with this. Uh, if you look at the uh, New World Book Encyclopedia, the temple in Jerusalem, it states, and I'm quoting, the temple in Jerusalem was originally built in ancient Jerusalem in the 10th century BC, also known as Solomon's Temple. And it was, the ras- it was the national center of Israelite religious life, especially for the offering of the sacrifices, but also as a cultural and intellectual center. And it says it was located on Jerusalem's Temple Mount. The Encyclopedia Britannica, it says, and I'm quoting, as the site for the future temple, David chose Mount Moriah or the Temple Mount, where it was believed that Abraham had built the altar on which to uh, sacrifice his son Isaac. God sent him to Mount Moriah, you remember, and the first temple was constructed during the reign of David's son, Solomon. And then we could certainly look into the the historical accounts of Jerusalem and the, the first two Jewish temples which stood on the Temple Mount History books all agree that this was the case. There are even Muslim books. I posted an article on my Facebook page recently about even Muslim historical books talk about the Jewish temple standing there. Of course, you don't hear about that on the nightly news, do you? However, there is one book which is the authority on this subject, and it's the Bible. And the Bible says, let God be true, let every man be a liar, right? So, I mean, in the end all of it, of everything, we're going to go with the Bible. Because I know the Bible's true. I can prove that many ways. The Bible provides the most detailed and reliable account of Mount Moriah and the specific location of the first and second temples on the Temple Mount. It's undeniable, everybody, really. I mean, the only way you could deny it is say, well, I don't believe the Bible. And that's what prophecy really does. It helps to build your faith in the word of God. Jesus said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, that when they do come to pass, you might believe. So prophecy builds your faith in the Bible. The only words that the only book that has the words to eternal life. So if the Bible says 
Those temples stood up on that temple mount. Guess what I'm going with? I'm not going to, I don't care about the false narratives that are being pushed in society currently. If you read the news right now, they're talking about Israel being an apartheid state or a, a, the occupation. That's simply not the case. So uh, you, you must understand that God covered the first 2,000 years of human history in just 11, the first 11 chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 11. And they didn't. he then slams on the brakes and he says, whoa, whoa, hold on. I've got to talk about a very special individual. And he devotes the next 12 chapters to the life of one man, Abraham. God had given a, a promise to Abraham. He said, you're going to have a son. And through this son shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Well, 25 years later, after the promise had been given to Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they were, they still had not had a child. Well, by this time, of course, Abraham was 85 years old. Sarah was 75. And their faith in God's promise had begun to waver. Well, Sarah suggested to Abraham that, hey, perhaps we, they needed to become a little proactive. Uh, you all know the story. So, and, you know, she may have said to Abraham, hey, after all, I mean, God helps him who helps himself. So Sarah had an Egyptian handmaid named Hagar. And Sarah suggested to Abraham, hey, you take Hagar as a second wife so that Sarah could obtain children by her. Well, Hagar, in fact, did conceive a son by Abraham and they called his name Ishmael. However, Hagar began to flaunt the fact that she could bear children and Sarah couldn't, which that didn't set too good. I mean, it brought tremendous conflict into Abraham's family. So when Ishmael was 14 years old, Sarah finally gave birth to a son, which was the promised son. His name was Isaac. Well, by that time, Sarah was 90. Abraham was 100 years old. And of course, that's an that's a incredible miracle right there. I mean, there was no doubt that this was the promised child that God had promised them. So a short time after this, Sarah observed Ishmael mocking Isaac. Well, Sarah demanded Abraham to cast out Hagar and her son from their household. And she said that the son of the bondwoman should not be heir with her promised child, Isaac. Well, this was very painful for Abraham, but God spoke to him that he should listen to Sarah and expel Hagar and Ishmael. God promised Abraham that he would make Ishmael into a mighty nation because he he was in fact Abraham's seed. However, God emphasized to Abraham that Isaac, and this is very important. You understand this was 4,000 years ago. But it is absolutely critical that you understand this when we're talking about what's going on in Israel today. The big battle is who controls the Temple Mount. That's what all of this boils down to. And so God emphasized to Abraham that Isaac, the the chosen promised son, would be the promised seed through the lineage of eventually Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So for a, 
um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to say, well, Israel's the occupier. They're illegally occupying that land. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, we need to have a Bible study. Because what you're saying is diametrically opposed to the word of God, which supersedes everything. So Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael away and eventually Ishmael became the father of the Arab race. Okay? So the child, Isaac, the promised one, began to grow. And he was the apple of Abraham's eye. I mean, he was the miracle promised child. Think about it. He was the center of his life. And God had fulfilled his promise to Abraham and life was going good. But since Abraham was destined to become an example to all who would walk with God and, and put their trust into him, one more ultimate test was needed. And you think about this for your own life. Because God's going to, God will trust you sometimes. The question that had to be answered was, did Abraham love God more than he loved the blessings God had bestowed upon him, including his son? Was God still first in Abraham's life in spite of the extreme attachment to his son, Isaac? And that's a, that's a lesson that we all need to learn. Do I have anything that I would put before my relationship with the Lord? Because you can't have anything. You've got to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength and serve him. Well, in Genesis 22, 1 through 2... God put Abraham to the test. Bible says now it came to pass that after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, here am I, Lord. And then the Lord said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah. Again, this is very important because I'm going to show you where, if you don't know already, where Moriah is. But God specifically chose a certain place. He said, you go to the land of Moriah and offer your son there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee. He didn't say, hey, Abraham, go pick your own mountain. I don't care. No, no. He said, you go to Moriah and you offer Isaac on one of the mountains that I will choose, that I will show you, a specific mountain. And of course, this is an extreme test for the man who was to become the father of the faithful, right? But was not to be carried out just anywhere, a very specific place. And it's the place that is the, the very um, core of the issue today in Israel and the Arab nations, the Palestinians, and everybody. It's that mountain, the Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount. They all want to deny Jews' uh, uh, rights there, and they're trying to Major deny them Internet that. Major companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, 
easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search Into the H Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So God specifically told Abraham to go to the land of Moriah and perform this uh, sacrificial act of obedience on one of the mountains which I will tell you. Well, Moriah is approximately 30 miles to the north of Beersheba where Abraham lived. So it was quite a journey to make on foot. But God said uh, this historic event must take place on a specific mountain that would come to be known as Mount Moriah, which today is the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So when Abraham raised the knife over Isaac, God stayed his hand. And he said, now I know that you have withheld nothing from me. He was going to sacrifice Isaac. And looking behind him, Abraham saw a ram that was caught in the, by his horns in the thicket. And God had provided a substitute sacrifice and kept his promise to Abraham about Isaac and his lineage. So 1,000 years after Abraham, I'm going, to, I'm going to move along pretty quickly here because I want to make sure I get all this in. Um, 1,000 years after Abraham, King David captured the city of Jebus from the Jebusites. And he made it the capital of the nation of Israel. He renamed the city Jerusalem. Well, after establishing his residence in the city of David, just south of and at a lower elevation than the current Temple Mount. If you've seen um, uh, like a geographical map or if you've ever been there, Temple Mount sits way up on high. The city of David's on the slope below, okay? So one of the King David's first endeavors was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so accompanied by 30,000 Israelites, David retrieved the Ark out of the house of Abinadab in Gibeah. On the trip home... As they crossed Nacon's threshing floor, the oxen shook the ark, and a driver of the cart, Uzzah, upon which the ark was being transported, he placed his hand on the ark to stabilize it, and God killed him. Well, as a result, David left the ark at the house of Obedidim, the Gittite, for three months, because he thought, you know, we're not doing this right. And 
But once David received the word of the Lord that he was blessing the house of Obed-Edom because of the ark of God, he really purposed in his heart to go finish the original quest to bring it all the way to Jerusalem. So understanding that they had not transported the ark as the Lord had instructed Moses, David returns to the house of Obed-Edom to bring the ark into the city of David in the correct manner. Not the correct uh, or the final resting place, but to bring it back to the city of David um, because something had to happen. Something had to be built for the final resting place. So this time when David was bringing it back, he had the Levites carry the ark on their shoulders with staves all the while sacrificing, praising and dancing before the Lord. And the Lord blessed the effort. And the Bible tells us where they put the ark. Second uh, Samuel six seventeen, And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. But this is very key. The, the main point, let's see here. The city of David was not the Ark of the Covenant's final resting place. Some people look at this and say, well, there you go. It's right there in the city of David, right? Well, that's not the final resting place. Some time had passed when David decided to number the people of Israel, even though God had instructed him not to. And because of his disobedience, God sent a mighty plague upon the people of Israel, which ended up killing 70,000 men. Well, David, I mean, he's horribly perplexed. He, he said, he cried unto the Lord for mercy. He said, God, God sent, and God sent the prophet Gad to David to tell him what to do that the plague might be stopped. And the prophet told David to, to go up and build an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. The threshing floor of Arana had just happened to be Mount Moriah up above the city of David, where Abraham had raised the knife over Isaac a thousand years before. So God, once again, chose this specific site for his original special purpose. Well, David purchases the threshing floor of Arana for 50 shekels of silver. Silver That's in uh, 2 Samuel 24, 24. And it also became the place where Solomon built Israel's first temple. In 2 Chronicles 3, 1, then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Well, King David, really, he desired to build a house for the Lord. However, because David had shed so much blood before the Lord, God gave the construction project of the temple to Solomon his son. And the account which occurred just prior to David's death is recorded in 1 Chronicles 28 verses 2 through 10. Then David, the king, stood up on his feet and said, hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had it in my heart to build a house of the of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now he had already brought the ark of the covenant back into the city of David and built a place for it. But that was not the final resting place. David said, I sought to build a house for the Lord and for the, 
for the, um, the footstool of God and had made ready to, for the building. But God said unto me, thou shalt not build a house for my name, David, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. And he said unto me, Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house and my courts for I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Take heed now for the Lord has chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. So after David's death, Solomon's kingdom prospered and then he began construction on the house of the Lord, which was the first temple. However, it was not built where some speculate even today, which is in the city of David. It was not built there. So it was out of the city of David. How, how do we know that Solomon didn't build the first temple in the city of David? Well, remember the book I mentioned earlier, you, you know, the authority on this subject, the Bible, it tells us the exact location of Solomon's temple. Second Chronicles five, verse one through two. Thus, all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. Solomon brought in all the things that David, his father had dedicated and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. You hear that? They took the, all of the instruments in the ark out of the city of David up to the house of the Lord. The temple mount is way up above the city of David, which is on the slopes below. First Kings 8, 1 through 4. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King Solomon at the feast of the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came and the priest took up the Ark and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the con- congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. Even, they, even those did the priest and the Levites bring up. Remember, it's up, north, ab- above, an elevation above the city of David. So when he finished the first temple, located on the temple mount, King Solomon gathered the elders of Israel and the priests to bring the ark of the covenant out of the city of David, up to the house of the Lord. So have you ever been to Israel? The Temple Mount, just just north of the city of David and at a much higher elevation. Doesn't the Bible tell us that they ascended up to the house of the Lord? Scripture says, And when the queen of Sheba had seen all that Solomon's, had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. That's uh, 1 Kings 10, 4 through 5. 2 Kings 9, 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to 
the house of the Lord and appeared and, and spread the letter before the Lord. Second Chronicles 29, 20. Then Hezekiah, the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. So they were in the city, but they went up to the house of the Lord. So from these scriptures, we know the first temple was not built in the city of David. It was not built in Nablus. It was not built in some other um, location. It was built at a much higher level on the Mount Moriah that God specifically chose, which is today, 4,000 years later, is referred to as the Temple Mount, the most disputed 35 acres on the planet. That 35 acres is what the Battle of Armageddon will be built over. And the control of that is at the very center of, the core issue of what's going on today. If they can get people to believe that those temples never stood there, then they could get, that's, that's um, the Jews, the center of their life. That's their connection to the Temple Mount and to Jerusalem. So it's of utmost importance that we all understand, you and I, that the temple stood on the Temple Mount. Not these false narratives that are being pushed. Temple denialism, um, Israel's an apartheid state, Israel's the, simply the occupation. No, no. God specifically chose the land of Israel for the Jews. Now, you can argue that. You can, we can, you can talk about it. You can, you can believe the false narratives. But I'm telling you, I'm going to go with what the Bible says. Because... I want to know the truth and I want to teach the truth. And the Bible's very, very specific that the temples, the first two did stand up there. And guess what? In the very near future, they're going to build another one. But King Solomon, he built Israel's first temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, dedicated it in 986 BC. And God said to Solomon concerning the Jewish uh, Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, I will put my name there forever, back in 1 Kings 9, 3. And when the beautiful temple by Solomon was completed, he offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and he prayed a prayer of dedication. And, of course, the famous prayer can be read in 2 Chronicles 6. So, folks, you don't have to sit there and wonder, well, I wonder if these individuals in the U.S. House are... If they know something that I don't, you don't have to wonder that. You don't have to wonder when somebody's denying, uh, is a temple denier. Are they talking about the truth? No, they're not. It's a total false narrative. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 1133. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. So Solomon's dedicatory prayer. When it was finished, a, a most miraculous thing happened. Fire supernaturally fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And it showed God's acceptance of Solomon's prayer and the house that he had built unto the Lord. And, um, one scripture says, now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not even enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised God saying, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. That's uh, what second Chronicles seven, uh, one through three. After this, God appeared to Solomon by night and responded to his prayer. Second Chronicles 7, uh, 12 through 16. I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place. Not, not some place in Nablus. Not some place hundreds of miles from there. But I have chosen this place, Solomon, to, put my, to place myself for a house of sacrifice. If, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people... If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will ignore their, uh, will, I will forgive their sin, will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be upon and my, my open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. Not for a thousand years, not for 2,000 years, but forever. The Temple Mount today in 2021, God said, I will put my name there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Do the Jews have a tie to Jerusalem? You better believe they do. Their father Abraham, through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... God said, Abraham, you go sacrifice Isaac on a specific mountain that I will choose. God chose the specific location for King Solomon to build the first temple. And why did God bless it? Well, one reason is because Abraham, David, and Solomon heard the voice of God, obeyed the direction from the Lord, and built it on that very spot. And David knew that when he brought the, uh, the ark back, that that was not the final resting place in the city of David. God showed him, remember, the, the, um, the threshing floor of Arana that he purchased. And Solomon's temple stood from 968 B.C. till 586 B.C. 
after the reign of Solomon, Israel was split into two nations. Ten tribes um, made up the northern kingdom of Israel with its capital in Samaria. Two tribes became the southern kingdom of Judah with its capital in Jerusalem. So in 721 BC, Israel was carried away into captivity by the Assyrians and was dispersed. God continued to work with the nation of Judah. However, over time, Judah became, they did evil in the sight of God. God sent Jeremiah to the prophet to warn that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, would take Judah captive. And Jeremiah foretold the Babylonian captivity would last 70 years. And after that, God would deliver Judah from captivity and restore her to the land of Israel. Well, what happens? Exactly what God said would happen. Nebuchadnezzar invaded Judah in 606 B.C., carrying away many into captivity and placing those reigning in Judah under tribute. King Zedekiah was appointed to rule over Judah on behalf of the Babylonians. After a few years, King Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, refusing to pay the imposed tax. And as a result, Nebuchadnezzar returned to Judah and the first temple was destroyed in 586 B.C., And the remainder of Judah was carried away into Babylon to be servants. That's when Daniel and many of the others were down there. So in 538 BC, the kingdom of Babylon was overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. That same year, King Cyrus, king of the Persians, made a decree that all Jews wishing to return to Israel were free to go back. And he also astonished them or I should say he admonished them to go rebuild the house of the great God in Jerusalem. So in 536 BC, many of the Jews led by Zerubbabel made their way back to Jerusalem and the construction on Israel's second temple began. And scripture tells us that the second temple was built in the exact same location as the first temple. Um, Ezra 2 verse uh, 68 In the New Living Translation, it says, When they arrived at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the family leaders made voluntary offerings toward the rebuilding of God's temple. Here it is, on its original site. You see, the Bible leaves nothing to... There's no gray area here. They told us specifically where to build it the first time, and when they went back, the Bible says that they built it on the exact same site as the first temple. Where was that? Up on the Temple Mount. Um, Ezra 5.15. The Bible says, And he said to them, Take these articles, go carry them to the temple site that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be built on its former site. Ezra 6.7. Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be rebuilt on its original site. And do not hinder the governor of Judah and the elders of the Jews in their work. So after much opposition, the second temple was completed in 516 BC. The second temple was enlarged and made more beautiful by Herod the Great around 20 BC. And this is the temple that stood on the Temple Mount during the time of Jesus. And it was said of Herod's temple, he that hath not ever um, seen Herod's temple has never seen a beautiful building in his life. Well, after Jesus had been rejected by most of the Jewish people, he wept over Jerusalem and he foretold its destruction. 
in Luke 19, 41 through 44, it says, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. And he said, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in his thy day, the things which belong to unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. The prophecy of Jesus concerning the destruction of the second temple was fulfilled by the Romans, destroyed, and they destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D., And just as Jesus said, not one stone of the temple was left upon another. So after their banishment from Jerusalem, the Jews were scattered throughout the world. And for almost 2,000 years, the Jewish people were sifted among the nations. But amazingly, they retained their distinct identity. I mean, during that time, Jews suffered much persecution, um, including the Spanish Inquisition And of course, Hitler's horrible Holocaust during World War II. Well over 6 million Jews were killed in just these two heinous events. Well, after World War II, God miraculously fulfilled the prophecy of Ezekiel 37, gathered the Jews back into their promised land, Israel. And on May 14, 1948, Israel declared independence as a nation. Uh, That happened just last Friday uh, was the anniversary And over the next several years, Israel fought several wars to survive. And finally, during the Six-Day War in 67, Israel captured East Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. They just celebrated this on Jerusalem Day about a week or a week and a half ago. So Yisrael Ariel was among the soldiers that captured the Temple Mount from the Arabs in 1967. And from that day forward... He dreamed of someday building Israel's third temple on the Temple Mount, as do many others. And to this day, the international community and the Palestinians do not recognize Israel's right to the post-1967 borders. The Arab city that was originally uh, owned by the Jews and they're trying to drive them out. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Jareh or something like that uh, in the news right now they're, that the, they're saying is the, the big thing that started all of this, which is really wasn't. Um, that was in, that's beyond the 67 borders. That's what they're saying that when the uh, Jordans illegally occupied that, they started letting Arabs move into Jewish homes that they, that the Jews owned, but because they had driven them out, they let Arabs moved in there. Well, there's been a decades-long dispute over can those Jews evict those Arabs and move into the land that they actually own. And so this dispute happens because of this post-67 borders. I mean, East Jerusalem and most importantly, the Temple Mount is located there. So to put it mildly, I mean, it's quite the conundrum, wouldn't you say? I mean, many folks um, view this as the world's most intractable conflict with no solution in sight. And believe me, many have tried. And, you know, I don't have time to really report every event which has led us to the the, the plethora of modern-day peace initiatives, 
between the Palestinians and the Israelis, of which none have been successful. And, you know, why is it the unsolvable issue? Well, it's who controls the Temple Mount and the, and the uh, in Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Who controls that? I mean, and you know, what's ultimately going to happen to the Temple Mount? Well, of course, it's going to be shared. When, when, and it's already been um, proposed when, when Bill Clinton was leading the negotiations between Yasser Arafat and um, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak at Camp David back in July 2000. The talks all stalled on the issue of the Temple Mount. Arafat said that the Muslims just couldn't give it up. And Barak said, well, hey, the Muslims have their first holy site in Mecca, their second holy site in Medina. And he argued that the Jews didn't even have their first holy site. But Arafat was adamant. He said, we can't give it up. And finally, Bill Clinton said, well, hey, why don't you guys just share it? And Arafat said, nope, it's never going to work. You can't put Jews and Arabs in the same 35 acres without them killing each other. Well, Barack replied that it could work. He said, we could simply put the Temple Mount under the, share, uh, the, the supervision of the um, international authority, possibly the United Nations. And in the end, Arafat was not willing and the peace talks failed. So what does this all boil down to? Who controls the Temple Mount? It's, it's called Temple Denial. That temples never stood on the Temple Mount. But now, you can read about it in the news today, but it's simply not true. So when they talk about Israel's being an occupying uh, entity there, no, no, that's Israel's land given to them by God 4,000 years ago. David purchased the threshing floor of Arana that where Solomon built the first temple that's up on the Temple Mount. And when they went back out of Babylonian captivity, where did they build the second temple? On its exact foundations of the original temple, on the exact site, the Bible says. So you don't have to wonder about all the false narratives in the liberal media. The Bible gives us the answers. What was the biblical location of the first two temples and the third? Up on the Temple Mount. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.